back, everybody. This is No We Are Going to Talk About It podcast. Um, today, we're kind of shaking it up a little bit different. Kaylee isn't here, but I have our first guest. All right, everybody. This is Dawn. Hi. <laughs> so, um, so today, we're actually going to be covering domestic abuse. Um, we're kind of just giving her the platform to tell whatever she's comfortable sharing. Um, like we've said in the past, anybody who wants to, you know, share their story, it can be completely anonymous. Um, you know, you don't have to be on video. Um, I'll even say it for you, but you know, she's tough. And so she wants to, she wanted to share her story. And so we're going to get into it. You good? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, oh, this is real. There's like <laughs> lights and shit in here. <laughs> Um, you are allowed to cuss on my podcast. Okay. It's like when we're hanging out outside talking. Oh. Exact same thing. Only Skylar's watching us in the corner, but don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> um, but I kind of want to tell the story of how we met because I think it's hilarious and awesome. Yes, it is. So we both got invited to a double date at a football game. And we were both like, uh you know, don't know if I want to go to this football game. And then we're like, oh, they, another girl's going to be there. God, I hope she's. We didn't know that there was going to be another girl. I did. Later. I did. I did. And I was like, huh, <laughs> you know, what if we don't get along, whatever. And then so we were just waiting outside for you guys. And then you showed up and you came out of the car and you had purple hair. And I was like. And you had space buns. I did. I had my space buns in. And I was like, okay we're going to be best friends. Yes. And I think it freaked them out. They thought we were joking, but like we had each other's numbers, like within like 10 minutes <laughs> and then like just have nonstop since then. Right. Have like text every day. Instant best Straight friends. Straight up family. <laughs> You're the one who helped me paint my wall. <laughs> we've, we've messed around for way too long. Right. Yeah. we it was the 13 hour ordeal and really it could have been two, but we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> we did it. It's fine. You helped me with the chairs because I kept leaving spots everywhere. So, uh, but yeah. And now we're family. And now we're straight up family. I don't even know your mom's name. She's just mom. Right. I don't even, I don't That's know. The other, how it is. I have a niece now. It's great. Yeah. She was nice enough to watch my toddler right now because we did not want to, we did not want to do nap time. I was hoping, I think I got maybe a good 30 minutes and then she was like up. Oh, so maybe she'll pass back out after they eat all the Oreos. We'll see. <laughs> all right. Cause sugar will crash. <laughs> we can hope so, or they'll just be entertained long enough for us to do this, and then we'll go save them <laughs> from each other, or at least save the cat, because he's probably in there just getting all the attention. Save me. <laughs> all right, so uh, if you listen to my last podcast, I really like statistics and numbers, so um, obviously we're going to be doing that again because I think it paints a pretty good picture. So just looking at um, the, oh, whoop, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so looking at the statistics, um, 
that are for domestic abuse, on average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. And so that kind of relates to the last bit of statistics. It's kind of the same overview, but um, the ratio for domestic abuse is a little bit different than sexual abuse. So one in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence um, and or other intimate partners stalking with impacts such as injury, fearlessness, post-traumatic stress disorder, use of victim services, um, or contraction of STDs. So breaks it down even further. One in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. This includes a range of behaviors such as slapping, shoving, pushing, and in some cases might not be considered domestic violence. So yeah, just makes me want to fight everybody. It's really sad. Mm -hmm. And then, so one in four women, one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence, such as beating, burning, or strangling by an intimate partner in their lifetime. One in seven women and one in 18 men have been stalked by an intimate partner during their lifetime to the point which they felt very fearful or believed that they or someone close to them would be harmed or killed. I mean, I'm in that statistic. That was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on this one is kind of surprising on a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotlines nationwide, Dang. which is surprising considering it's like sexual assault on the last one we had talked about. It's a very underreported crime. So is domestic abuse. Yeah. Cause I didn't report it until actually yeah. my dad reported it. Mm -hmm. I didn't report it. So that's really surprising. Yeah, and there's a few reasons. There's, like, fear, and then there's, um, you know, some people have, like, shame and guilt and all that kind of stuff. And then, uh, I mean, more often than not, it goes. And when children are involved, it gets... It's messy. Yeah, it gets pretty messy. And then so... To be honest, I didn't even know there was a hotline for domestic abuse. There's quite a few, but that's kind of the whole thing about our... Um, podcast is like there are some resources they're not well highlighted and so like bringing awareness to kind of the situation like you know that's definitely you feel kind of helpless and stuck and so if you don't know what resources are out there I think there's more resources now than when I was married oh Max. definitely definitely and then um I just kind of want to cover two more things and then I'm done spewing numbers on everybody <laughs> Um, under the homicide section, it says 72% of all murder suicides involve an intimate partner. 94% of victims of these murder suicides are female. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And then so, um, and then they have this one um, little blurb about children and domestic violence. So one in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year. And 90% of these children are eyewitnesses to this violence. And that was my daughter. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of just, you know, the, I mean, I literally could go on for quite a while. There's a bunch of statistics on this. And so this was, um, 
oops, you know, you really don't know the numbers until you actually put it out there. Well, yeah. And then even those numbers aren't accurate. I think that's kind of every time I look up this type of data, it's kind of terrifying, you know, yeah. because it's underreported. So like the one in four, one in nine, yeah, that's not even accurate. It's crazy when you think about it. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's just like with anything else we cover in this podcast, anytime, you know, you bring up your story, somebody else has one, you know, or they know somebody who has one but we just don't talk about it. Yeah, because some people don't feel comfortable sharing it. Yeah, definitely. And so, um, I mean, um, we can kind of jump back into like, just like some of the research I've done over this, but I'm gonna go ahead and just like give you the platform to talk about your story and you can start wherever. And then if you need a break, all you have to do is just let me know. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not going to look at you guys now because I'm going to look at my best friend. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, as you know, I was married mm -hmm. to a violent person who I had no idea who had um, a drinking problem. Okay. So how long did you know each other before you were we, married? Well, see, I got pregnant before I got married. Okay. And back then it was... Um, we didn't have all the, you know, the social, um, oh, you can't have a baby without being married. Yeah. Now it's kind of like a norm, you know, um, many people don't believe in that no more. Mm -hmm. um, my family was very strict and his family was very strict. So I kind of was forced into getting married. Mm -hmm. And now my parents, they feel bad because of it, because of how it went. Well, so how long so we were y'all together? for two months and then got married. Wow. Okay. And then, so what is the amount of time before you notice the drinking problem? Or it was after marriage. After Because I always married. just saw him pouring, like, he, he always had a, a cup. It was like, he was always having a cup with him. It was like, whether it was orange juice or it was coffee, uh -huh. he was always hiding his liquor in one of those. And I never knew that. Okay. And then after I got married, that's when... Um, the the drinking came more noticeable and I, I caught him and then um, that's when the violence started so okay so how how long how far far were you in the relationship when it did start it was four months so you're four, still pregnant at the yeah time. I was still pregnant with my daughter okay and then it intensified after I had my daughter and See, and that's the thing with um, people who have alcohol problems is when he was sorry, he'd always go out and buy me new, buy me flowers or something because mm -hmm. he wanted to find something to say he's sorry. And then he would keep me that way because I felt, oh, okay, he's going to do better the next time. He didn't time. mean it. Yeah, he didn't mean mm -hmm. it. Uh, I'm, you know, and I'm sure a lot of women feel that way. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay, well, things will get better the next time. He won't do it again. He's sincere. No, it always seemed to happen after a little while and then it would be back to where you were but things got really bad um when my daughter was like born so after she was born the drinking was really bad um he was drinking a fifth of jack every night um and then so the addiction got worse and worse and then when she, we i we i left when he was when Faith was one, because Faith started to find his beer cans and started drinking them, and he was hitting her, and I found slap marks on mm. on Faith when she was a baby, 
And then um, when I left to go back home, um, we here again, when women feel like they need to, like, because after we have kids, we feel like we need to take them back. Mm -hmm. So I went back with him. He moved up to be by me, and we got a place. Then I noticed he found other addictions. So not was he only involved with drinking, he got into pills. Mm -hmm. He got into liquid methadone. Mm -hmm. He was selling pills, and he was... Uh, like a big, well, you know, marijuana wasn't, it was legal. It wasn't legal back then, but uh -huh. he was selling it and like making it. He sold my furniture to bring in a big tent when my daughter was four years old. And yeah. she would go to school. Oh, my dad's a farmer because he's got a tent in the <laughs> oh, front room. Uh -huh. I was like, oh, don't tell this at school. <laughs> and she's telling people at school this. And yeah. then they're questioning me and bringing me into the office was not a good idea. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then Faith was five. Faith saw a lot of stuff she shouldn't have seen. He would throw snow globes at me. Um, he um, would have rings on his hands and he would punch, punch me. Um, I had to wear sunglasses. It was really bad. He, he kept me away from my family for a year because he's like, it's either him or family and it was like I didn't want to leave because I had a kid you know yeah so um I, I, I lost a year with my family um when Faith was in elementary had uh in schools um it was really sad and I feel I still feel bad about it but um my mom and dad would have to sneak over to see her at the school because she wasn't allowed to see them and I wasn't allowed to see my family well, and you know, that's that's what abusers do is they take away your support system. Yeah, because it was, it was they really have bad. to have it's, control. It still gets to me because yeah. that's, that's a year loss with my family that I'll never get back. Um, I actually had to sneak out to see my twin sister have babies, mm -hmm. my niece and nephew, because I was not allowed to be with her. Mm -hmm. um, he would question, he put GPS tracking on my car. Mm -hmm. He would call me at work. He would harass me just to make sure I was at work. Mm -hmm. He was... It was really bad. Um, then he tried to drown me in a bathtub. Faith found she was locked in her room when that happened because he locked her in her room. She was able to find a key and unlock herself. She's very intelligent. She is. My niece is extremely smart. <laughs> and so she walked in while he was holding me underneath the water. Mm -hmm. And she's like, Daddy, what are you doing? And at that moment, he froze. And he turned around. He said, get back in your room. And that's when I was able to get up. And I ran into my daughter's room. Mm -hmm. And I called my dad. And if it wasn't for that moment, um, my dad called one of my friends who was a police officer. And he came over. And uh, Adam took off. He wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was able to get out. Uh, he wasn't there. But um, then... He came back and I thought, oh, well, things are going to get better. Um, no. Took a knife and he stabbed me. Mm -hmm. um, and I tried everything to help him. But then, you're, you know, you get to a point where you have to learn. They're never going to change. Yeah. And I think it was a talk that I had with my mom and my dad. And they're like, you have to realize when you need to get out. No one can help you, but you, you have to make that choice. Mm -hmm. you know, you, you're going to get 
hurt. You're going to die if you stay in this relationship. And, you know, I don't know what it was, but something just was like a light bulb went off. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. Or my kid's going to die. Yeah. And um, it took a long time for me to, to get to that point. I was married for a long time. And um, I want to say I was married seven years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I finally was able to say, you know what? I'm done. I'm like, Mom, Dad, come and get me. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't believe me because, you know, I kept saying, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave. People don't want to hear you keep saying you're going to leave and you, you never do because then no one's going to help you unless you really, really mean it. Yeah. And then I was like, no, I'm really done. And then um, I wanted to get out before he got off work. Yeah. Because that's the only, that's how I felt safe. Yeah. And so um, they finally, they, they're like, oh, you're really, you really want us to? I'm like, yes, come save me. And they, they did. They drove over and they, we got all my stuff out. I didn't want to take the car. I didn't want to, I just wanted to get face stuff, my stuff and leave. Yeah. So I left a lot of stuff. Um but there was a lot of violence. And then after we got the divorce, um, so, you know, we, as a kid, you know, I have a kid. So we have to have joint custody. So um, what, was, what happened was when I would have to go do the pickups, he would still like, um, he was still very physical. Um, he would slap me. He would punch me he would he would also sit there and say in front of my daughter I'm just sperm donor he he did a lot of mental abuse too um and uh he did a lot of I guess I'm just learning now a lot of bad stuff with my daughter Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of um I guess PTSD yeah definitely from my daughter and they said I have it now I mean, I'm not going to lie. I get triggered when I'm by people who drink a lot because mm-hmm. it brings back bad memories. Definitely. Um, I get nightmares of him trying to drown me in the bathtub. I still will not go in a bath. I'm terrified of the bathtub. Mm-hmm. I'll take a shower. Yeah, we've talked about it. Yeah. I will not take a bath. That is fine. Terrified. I have shower bath bombs. <laughs> they make those now. It's okay. <laughs> you know, like. Um, I just working through it. And this isn't something that you're just like, okay, I'm done. I'm recovering from it. It's lifelong. Yeah. I mean, it took me a while to get in a swimming pool because mm-hmm. I was scared of water. Yeah. But now I've like worked my way up, but I just, I can't do the bathtub. It scares the crap out of me. Well, for, you know, obvious reasons. Then I will not date someone who drinks. I just, I can't. Yeah. I, I just can't. It'll make me uncomfortable. Yeah. And and somebody who has anger issues because he had anger issues. And it's crazy. You would think that, okay, well, when you're going to go and help them, their withdrawals are off the hook. Like, even if they wanted to, because I was trying to get him off methadone. But he was taking liquid methadone, and he was popping, like, 12 Norco a day. On top of drinking. Yeah. Yeah. And he still drinks with the Jack every day. Yeah. And still takes a little good methadone. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they'll never change. And people can sit there and say, oh, he's going to change. He's going to change. And women think that they're going to, that their guy is so perfect that he's going to change. No, you're going to end up dead. <laughs> yeah. 
I learned the hard way and I would hate for someone to have to learn the hard way. Mm -hmm. It's not a good, it's not people can't change if they want to, they want to change, not force force anybody else to do it. Nope. And then it's not worth your safety or your sanity. And if you have kids, it's really, really bad. Yeah. And you think that, oh, you want to stay because of the kids. That's horrible to think. Horrible. It's a horrible mentality to have because I always thought, oh, well, I'll just stay because we have a kid together. You can't. You can't. You got to protect your kid, you know? So if they're not going to do what they need to do to fix themselves, you can't force them to do it. And you have to make sure that you have the best interest for your own kid. Yeah. And so first off, I think you need to give yourself some grace, you know, because, yeah, he was, you know, this awful person, but he also took away your support system. Yeah. They're abusers. Their main goal is control. And so, I mean, he he had complete control. He did. And, you know, very manipulative. And then they can't, it's never their fault they hurt you. You pushed them to that point, which is bullshit. Yeah, right? <laughs> but, and then, so they feel just so, so sorry about it. And then we'll buy you a gift, whatever. So you'll get over it. And then we'll forget about it. And we'll just read. You're right. To the cycle. It is but like that's about control. The, the entire, I mean, that's the thing, though, is they just, they need that control. And so they're going to get you into a place they have control and then you'll start to see these behaviors. And And then by then it's hard because you don't have your support system or your support system has seen it. And then they're exhausted trying to make you see it. And see, he had to have all the money. He wouldn't let me work. Mm -hmm. And so um, he had to have good cars. So the cars he would buy me, Mm -hmm. um, they were falling apart and I had our daughter. Yeah. So I would have to have my grandpa. <laughs> I love my grandpa. He would he would take duct tape and have to tuck duct tape the windows from falling down because it was raining. So the rain was getting on my daughter. Yeah. And then he would have to duct tape the the lights because the lights were falling out in the front. Then he would have to duct tape the doors because the doors were popping out. So one bad car, and he would give me another car saying it's new, but it was falling apart too. And he has this brand new truck. Of course. And I get the, the crappy cars. Well, of course. And I was yeah. never allowed to be on his bank account. Mm-hmm. And I never had the money. So he wouldn't even buy my daughter's stuff. So literally, I was taking her stuff she would outgrow, sell it without him knowing, and buy her new clothes when I had to. Mm-hmm. Like, I would, every once in a while, I would, when he was at work, I would sneak, sneak to see my friends because I wasn't allowed to have friends either. Well, because that's another support. Yeah, that's the his whole thing was control. Yeah, very, very controlling. And he had to know where I was, who I was with. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. It was, it was really, really bad. And I don't wish that environment on anyone. Mm-mm. Yeah. And like, I mean, like from being choked to death, tried to get like, he would like just try to control everything. <laughs> he, he hated my family. He hated them. He would draw horns on their wedding picture, on our wedding picture. <laughs> Kid you not, my mom still remembers he drew horns on my mom and dad's head and put angel halos around his parents. Well, yeah, because his parents are going to coddle him. Yeah. No, 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 boy, you're perfect. You're not doing anything wrong. Yeah. And then your parents were seeing this behavior and they're like, we got to get you out. 
So they're obvious. I mean, that's his thing is he's going to lose control if you listen to him. So he has to demonize anybody that is supporting you, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, even just, you know, my friend right now that we've talked about that, you know, I'm just tired and I had to distance myself because she's not ready to leave. Um, but he won't let us at the, at the house anymore. We're not allowed to go in there. So, I mean, I understand that. Got to get rid of that support system. We're dangerous, you know? Yeah. Okay. So, um, are you feeling okay? Yeah. You know, uh, it gets you, gets tiring. Yeah, definitely. Um, now that I'm like a single parent, I've been a single parent. It's kind of like you have a new outlook on who you want to be with. Mm -hmm. But, um, I still have to deal with him because, you know, you have to be with that person, with the kid, um, for 18 years <laughs> or longer, you know, but, Not um, necessarily. <laughs> right. But, um, I I've already sure. have a whole yeah court plan for you. Yes. yes. We already know this, but I'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I moved out of state because that's the other thing is he would do the, he would do the, um, once we got just divorced and I moved further away from him, um, two hours <laughs> away, it was like, no, it was like four hours away. Mm -hmm. Um, he was supposed to see her every other weekend and, um, he couldn't even commit to that. Mm -hmm. Um, he always had to blame and say it was my fault. And then when he did say he was going to meet her, he would, um, meet me halfway and sometimes he wouldn't even show up. Then when he was hitting me when I was um, down there, it was really bad. My dad was like, <laughs> I remember showing up to my mom and dad's house and my dad's like, where, why are you wearing sunglasses? It's raining outside, you mm -hmm. know, and it was nighttime. And it was like, I don't want to, and I don't want to take off my sunglasses, dad. He goes, take off your glasses because I wear glasses and, you know, it's easy to notice. Uh -huh. So my dad took them off and I had this big old black and blue bruise and he's like, how'd you get that? And I just kind of looked away from him. He goes, ain't mm, said. So um, my dad's like, you're never, ever allowed to go with the child drop off um, again unless there's someone with you. Yeah. And that's another thing I forgot to mention is um, when I was married to him, because, you know, he was such a huge drunk. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So he flashed his dick to my sister. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's done a lot of crazy stuff. Well, he was on some <laughs> heavy stuff, right? But you know, they, they sit there and they, they don't want you to be with anyone and they want you to feel really depressed. I was really depressed. I was, I was a big girl. I was, I was very, very heavy. I was 120 pounds heavier than I am now. Which I worked my butt off to get off. She is killing it. <laughs> I'm so insanely proud of her. But when you get depressed and you get in that situation. Well, you need I to find comfort in whatever you, you can. Have, you, and my comfort was food. Well, so, I mean, yeah, but you didn't have much control over anything else. I had else. no support. I had no friends. I could not see my family. Yeah. I was trapped. And I was very, very, very depressed. I wanted, I wanted to kill myself. But the only thing that kept me going was my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I wanted, to, and I just knew that this has got to change. And then, like I said, it took a light bulb to come off, but he was, he was a very, he was monster. I can't even tell you. Um, it was just, it was really bad. There was times that I was, 
I would stay inside and uh, I couldn't even drop my daughter off at school because of how bad I looked and, you know, her teachers would notice and say something. And it was really bad when your daughter is at school in the first grade saying, um, what was actually kindergarten? She's like, my dad tried to drown my mom in a bathtub. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, this isn't going to go well. And then they had to call me in. Well, yeah. And mm -hmm. a whole investigation started. And then he tried pulling Faith out and tried to take her without my permission. So I had to get a restraining order on him at the school. Well, yeah. Because he was trying to steal our daughter. Well, because he was losing control. Yeah. How were, How is he going to control you any better way than yeah. your your kid? People don't understand when they get that crazy and they try to have all that control and they start losing it, they, they, they're going to do whatever they can to find some way to control you and have you back. Well, and the most dangerous time for, you know, um, abuse survivors is when they decide to and when they leave. That is the majority of the homicides is because they left. Yeah, it was um, it was really bad. I thought he was going to kill me. Um, yeah. A few times, actually. Uh, I got into a gym with my friends back home in California, and mm -hmm. they were trying to help. They were helping me, and uh, they saw the bruises. They... One of my friends came over and saw me lying on the floor and she had to like help me get up because it was really, it was really bad. Um, and so they helped me and they, they got me back into the gym and then he saw that I started getting friends and it was like, oh, this isn't good. That's dangerous. Right. You know, there's just, that's a support system. Yeah. yeah. And he, he's now out of the picture mm -hmm. and now he's stalking me. Yeah. Seeing that, hey, she's what's going on here. Mm -hmm. And her divorce wasn't final then. And he was like, he was really like stalking me, following me to my new job mm -hmm. because I had to get a job. I had to support myself. Well, you had bills. Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't paying me. Mm -mm. So he was stalking me. Um, I had to have my friends walked me to the car because he was sitting in the parking lot. And mind you, I was four hours away and he would be at my job at nighttime watching me go to the car. He was very, very possessive. Like it was crazy. But also you should have looked into the background of people when you start dating them. Because <laughs> um, if I knew what I knew now, yeah. I would have saved myself because I found out he had like family history um, of alcoholism. I found out he was very suicidal. He had nooses in his place. He was a cutter. Mm -hmm. um, I found out that he was molested as a child. Mm -hmm. um, he had a very dark, dark past. And apparently all his darkness came and poured it out on me. And, you know, I found out he raped my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know that until just recently. Well, and that's why and that's her insanely protective auntie already has an outline of your court case. <laughs> yes. And, I, and I'm just hoping he shows up because we live in the South. <laughs> right. And between us and my family, there's a whole armory. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and I will not be going to jail on a homicide charge. Right. Um, Self-defense. <laughs> right. Bring it on. <laughs> see, that's I'll take one hit so I can shoot you. <laughs> say that, just don't move. It's, it's like crazy because people think that they're going to just change. And like I said, 
you don't know the history, like if they have that bad history, it's going to stay with them. It never goes away. Well, I mean, there's devil's advocate. I'm not saying necessarily him, but if you um, work through your trauma and get the help you need, you know, he didn't. And so obviously the way he processed it is he was hurting. So he had to hurt somebody else. Yeah. You know, and he went to a rehab. He seeing that's the thing is he, you know, people who get married and have kids mm-hmm. and like, you know, the, the abusers, um, the guys, just they're horrible and they make promises they can't keep. Oh yeah. We're going to work it out. Well, he went to a rehab because, you know, I had to make him get help. And I said, I was threatening to leave and he didn't want to leave, you know, he mm-hmm. didn't want me to leave. So he promised me he was going to go to a rehab. Yeah. He went to rehab and then he checked out the next day. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. I was like, oh, shit, I can't do drugs in here. Yeah. What? <laughs> and he, I guess his mom was saying that uh, he had a pack of liquor in the back of his car in the trunk. And he was driving with drinking, you know. And he did he did drink and drive with our daughter in the car. And I didn't know that until later on. Mm-hmm. And there was one time that um, I had to actually call 5150 on him. Yeah. It was really, really bad. I was like, actually had the neighbor call 5150 on him mm-hmm. because I was never, I just couldn't. Well, yeah. I was scared to call well, the police. Well, I mean, it would put you in danger if they ever, if your name Yeah, and then he got escorted. He got escorted. They put him in one of those restraints. Uh-huh. But then he was, his, see, and that's the thing is, if they have family that's in the police environment or in the court system, mm-hmm. you're kind of screwed because. Really, they know the ways in and out. And his mom will always have, like, the money to get the biggest lawyer. And that's why I moved out of state. I wanted to be, like, distant, you know. Yeah, I don't want to be found. Because she always wanted my kid. And she was she was. Oh, awful, I'll be damned. Right? <laughs> she was I don't awful. think so. <laughs> yeah. She was just she was awful. And uh, I think that's, he's just like his mom. And um, I just make you sick and it's just there's a lot of stuff that went on and it, i still get traumatized i'm still traumatized by it well yeah understand and i don't think it'll ever go away and if i ever marry a guy someday again you know i just hope they understand that <laughs> i'm always gonna have that little trauma in the back of my mind well of course well and they'll be well vetted yeah i can pull up records <laughs> We both know my FBI level <laughs> shit. Don't worry. Don't you worry. Right. I'll find out everything and you know, I'll fight everybody. So, but, um, so I do have a couple questions mm-hmm. and you are allowed to be like, Sabre, don't ask me these. <laughs> okay. So kind of going back, um, were you ever hospitalized? Did you have ER visits yes. or did you just stay? Okay. So just a guesstimate. How many times? 10. 10 times that and the rest I didn't want to go to the hospital um those 10 I had to because my friends found me on the floor unconscious okay and so you know like there's screening and stuff in the hospitals did you refuse help Mm -hmm. were you scared to answer was he there sometimes during the hospitalization some of the times he was there and he was making evil looks at me or he'd grab my wrist where um very tight you're not going to you're not going to answer these questions Mm -hmm. Okay. Did the staff ever like try to get him out of the room so they could talk to you? Yeah, they tried, but you know, um, it didn't help because the staff, he was, his, his sister was one of the staff. 
so I knew I wasn't safe. At the hospital. Yeah. So it wasn't an option to reach out there. Okay. Uh, no, I, I, was, I was not safe. How many times did you ever file police reports? I know you had other people call, but were you ever? I never did. You never did. I was okay. too scared. Mm-hmm. I was, I was too scared. Mm -hmm. was so it was scared. always just like neighbors or. Yeah. And it didn't help because his brother-in-law was, um, was a FBI agent. So, you know, it didn't make me feel comfortable. And his other brother was in the police force. So I just didn't feel safe. Um, I didn't yeah, feel understandably like I had a, so. Yeah. I didn't feel like I had a safe place. Yeah. I didn't think I was going to ever get help. Yeah. So I guess going to, you know, like you had your aha moment, like, okay, you know, we're not, this is, I can't do this. I'm going to die. Um, and so when you used to think about getting out, you know, other than just like, I mean, fear of him hurting you, why would you stay? Because what was your thought process? My kid. Because of your kid. So was it just, I want her to have a father or? Well, you know, you get in that mentality like, oh, well, you're married. You don't, people don't get, you shouldn't, I don't want a divorce. You know, I, I got to stay and make this work. We have kids. Mm -hmm. I can just stay until the, until she's grown and then, then we can get divorced. You know, I, I want her to have not a broken family mm -hmm. or, oh my gosh, what's going to happen if um, I leave? Will I be able to support myself? Well, where am I going to go? What's, who's going to take me in? You know, you mm -hmm. get all those thoughts and yeah. you start to get overthinking and you're like, maybe I'll just stay. Maybe it's just too hard. Maybe it's just maybe too it's hard. Just maybe too hard. it's easier if I just stay. I mean, I, I get that. You I get definitely, that comfort. Because like, I mean, my last relationship, I was straight up miserable. Yeah. And, but I was like, I don't, oh, what, if, I was just thinking about my kid. Am I supposed See? to just take her away? See, and you get thinking yeah. like that. Um, and she's not going to have a dad because I knew damn well that he was not going to be interested in, you know, uh, being part of her life. And I mean, he terminated rights, but I'm more than happy with that you know, to be the only one on the birth certificate. Better but, be, um, I mean, so, I mean, I know you, since we've become friends, there's no doubt in my mind, faith is always first, but what would go through your mind? Like you're staying for her, but you're in a violent, did you just, you said you saw like marks on her when she was younger. So did you ever see him? like hit her yeah or he would he would take his whole hand and he would like leave handprints on her and it was it was really bad then he thought it was funny he would let her drink beer out of the beer bottle yeah and uh it was it was not cool and i he would put stuff in my medication he would have some kind of pills and i don't know what they were maybe it was the pills that uh he was on. Who knows? But he would. I don't even think he knew what he was on. He would put pills in my drink. He would open capsules. Um, one of my friends told me from high school. She told me, and she was a nurse. And I guess he would put. He would open the capsule and put them in my drink. And I was like, I guess I was out of it. Mm -hmm. And I was out of it for a few hours. And I didn't know what was going on. But he was alert. I was just sitting in a chair. 
for hours. I didn't know what was going on. I just want you to know that I love you so much. I love you. And if I'm out of town in California next week, <laughs> you're just going to have to keep my phone for the GPS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good luck to his family that's in law enforcement. <laughs> Nobody, no crime. You know? <laughs> just... We're going to say goodbye, roll. <laughs> like the Dixie Chunk. Yeah, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. We're going to be the next Carrie Underwood song, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. But, um, well, I'm proud that I'm very proud of you for making it out. And you, like, definitely have a kick-ass kid. I love I tried. And you know, it's funny, like you think when you go back, things will get better and better. But actually, like my mom and dad always told me, it's like after I left, the times that I did leave, because I left him five times. Mm-hmm. Five times. They were worse because he was angry that you yeah. left, right? The mm-hmm. fifth time was one I was completely just done. I yeah. was done. And, and my dad said something and I was laughing. I'm like, oh my God, I never thought of it like that. And he goes, Don. You know, you actually have more when you're not with him. I'm like, what do you mean, Dad? And he goes, you do so much better. Look, you have like newer cars. You're happier. You have more friends. You have a better job. I'm like, never looked at it like that. And, you know, it's funny. At the fifth time after I left, when I was just done, I bought my my truck. My truck. I was like stoked. Mm-hmm. Like, that was seven years ago. And yeah. I bought my truck all by myself, didn't need no man's help. Nope. And ever since after I called it done, I learned that I don't depend on no man. I, I knew how to work on a car now. I know how to change tire, change my own oil. I don't depend on men. I figure it out myself. Well, yeah. I mean, if I don't know, I'll find out how. Like, I was raised um, to not need a man. I can have one if I want to. Yeah. But I'll be damned. (laughs) Right? My dad, the best quote my dad ever said to me is, make sure you don't, you don't need a man. Let the, you need, uh, you don't ever need a man. You want a man who needs you. Yeah. And that kind of just stuck with me because that's true. I don't need no man. I want a guy who wants to spend time with me. You know what I mean? So that's your together. You never, no one should ever depend on anybody. Yeah. Definitely. It's just a different eye opener these days. Well, and I mean, you've grown from it. And yeah. I think at this point between the two of us, if we found out somebody else was in that situation, they wanted to get out. Uh, they, they, don't worry about it. We got you. <laughs> We're going to roll up in your truck. Right? I got <laughs> and a big old truck. Yeah, you do. And it's great. I'm <laughs> so excited for it to be fixed. But yes. um, so, I mean, kind of going back to your story, like, the divorce process. So, you know, you, you know, with this history or whatever, I can't imagine the hot, the heartbreaking moment of the custody trade-offs, but did y'all have like joint custody through the court? Like how he got 10%. I got 90% because of all the stuff he's done. I was able to show, um, paperwork of him flashing my daughter. He, he flashed his dick to my daughter. I got, I got paperwork for that. Um, I got paperwork for him, um, stabbing me in my stomach. And they still gave him 10%. Are you fucking because kidding me? Because the court says if the father wants to be in the child's life, you should still let them have access 
I don't give a shit. No. Mm -mm. Yeah. Okay. So (laughs) he got 10%, which was he would get her on Saturday in the morning around um, 11 o'clock. And he would have to bring her back Sunday at 2. And these were not like supervised visits, I'm assuming. Oh, because he lived with his mom. They said it was supervised. Oh, kiss my ass. No. mm -mm. I don't. Yeah. They didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I'm not going to lie to you, that divorce process was very hard on me because he would burn the divorce papers. Um, he was, it took forever to get those um, signed mm-hmm. because actually they never got signed and had a court They had judge. like a default judgment, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's how it was with my termination papers. He didn't. He would never sign the paperwork. care to do anything and so the judge was like all right here you go she's all yours and see he would he would sit there and he just didn't want to do it so he would never sign the paperwork he's all no i'm not gonna let it, it was a thing control yeah because he knew once he gave up the divorce it he doesn't have control over me he's lost yeah, yeah he's lost so he would control. either burn and he would i have video of him burning the divorce papers and then he would rip them up he goes i don't give a shit i'm just gonna rip them up what you gonna do about it i'm like what Mm. but it's a way he can hold you you know control but yeah best thing i ever did yeah and i encourage anybody who's ever in that situation life is a lot better once you're out of that toxic relationship well i tell people all the time like life is like single mom school work it's not easy no it's not but even when i am exhausted i'm nowhere near as exhausted as i was in that relationship like even my tired now i will gladly take over the tired that i used to be because it was a whole different it was it wasn't just like physical it was like mental depression like all this kind of stuff and even on the worst days that i've had being on my own hands down easily a hundred times easier than Girl, that's the, that's one thing that I will say though is like the one thing I think that also kept me with him was the medical. Because you know, he had a good job, he was foreman. So and I the first time I got cancer, I was separated with him, right? Yeah. And I was scared to give up the medical because that's how I was getting my cancer treatments. And that's why I stayed. Mm-hmm. But after I said the fifth time I was done, I got more help than I ever did. Yeah. Then I beat cancer twice. Yeah. And I, you know, you know, people don't know how strong you are until strong is your only option. Well, and you were strong. He just, he couldn't take, he couldn't your, push me around your feet, You just had to get on your feet. Yeah. And once you, you know, pick it up to pieces, yeah, do a lot better. Yeah. I don't think, I think that mentality of being scared, that fear, mm-hmm. it really, it overwhelms you. Yeah. You're going to be scared because you don't, you, you fear the unknown. Well, definitely. Yeah. But look at you. You you did marvelous. <laughs> Some days, a lot of days, I'm fucking falling apart, dude. I mean, that's just the way it is. But I'm, I refuse to be in any of those situations again. I refuse to be a victim. And yeah, no, um, we're survivors. I'm will never label myself or you as a victim. I don't think that's accurate. And. I mean, now I'm educated, I'm loud, and, and awesome. I will hand everybody their own ass 
and you're going to go without his. apologizing. We're going to have some crazy times coming up. <laughs> like we're talking shit right now. If he shows up dead like tomorrow, <laughs> I'm so screwed. <laughs> it wasn't me. It wasn't me. And I do not have the money to hire a hitman. I wish I did, but I don't. <laughs> no, that was just karma. But I mean, um, I think it's you're in a you're in a good place. You've got your support system back. You've got somebody crazy enough to go with you. Yeah. Um, I think I just I just didn't know how much it was gonna. I well, think if the you're biggest thing was letting in my that kids yeah. see the stuff mm -hmm. and every and when I was working the three jobs and Faith was home with him, I don't think I knew all that took place or when she would go back to see him because. When we moved, she to see him like. Well, and he lost control over you. Yeah. So but now who, he has who's going to have control over? And then she came and started cutting, and I think all that stuff just started to resurface. Mm -hmm. And I found out about the whole, you know, the rape and everything, and um, I didn't know until just recently. And it's like you say, you know. All that stuff, she hid it from me. And she didn't even know what it was until she got older. Mm -hmm. So, and I, well, I think and I it mean, just, I feel guilty because I, looking back, I feel guilty. I, I, I wish I never put her in that situation. Well, the reality is, is he had the control. And you know what? You got out. And she's a badass kid. And she, I don't care about his measly 10%. Well, he is yeah. never coming around my niece again. No, I don't want him around her. If he thinks he is, he can try to come pick her up from my house. Right? <laughs> he doesn't know where we live. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't let him know. And and I let Faith have that. You know, she doesn't want to talk to him. Um, all that stuff surfaced, and she doesn't want to see him. Good. So, and she's 14 now, so she has a say where she doesn't want to see him. She doesn't have to. Yeah, that's the age that you can pick and. Being like, mm -mm. and you I know, just, she's, and she's doing. She's, I think if I could do things differently, I would have left before she saw that stuff. Well, what I could have should is, you know, but you're raising a pretty badass kid, and she's doing well right now, you know, and taking her meds, and she got into that awesome program. I know, and so life is just gonna keep getting better. And for her birthday, her and her aunt are going on a trip to get piercings. See? <laughs> She's excited. I, I'm excited. I'm like, what piercing yes. am I going to get? Right? And I was like, I'll make a deal with you. <laughs> Bribery. If you're going to behave and do everything you're supposed to do, you're coming with piercings. your aunt to Lubbock. I'll get your, I'll get you your septum. And she, she was like, dude, yes. <laughs> the biggest smile on her face. And now she takes her stuff every day. Yeah. No, like no problem because I'll find, she'll know I'll find out. Right? And she wants that septum piercing. She does. <laughs> She's like, I want to match my aunt. I'm yeah. Like, oh. I'm going to get us matching jewelry and everything. It's going to be so great. But yeah. all right. But I mean, you're in a better place now. Yeah. Some people don't make it out. No. I'm, and um, so I think that's really a big thing. Yeah. And they, they don't. They don't make it out. And I would have either, probably been that way if I stayed. Probably. Um, if not by his hands, by yours. You know? Yep. Because I would, well, I told you, try to jump across the Forest Hill Bridge. So. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, 
it's kind of, it feels like a very helpless situation. And so I think it's just important to. But I'm, I'm happy I got out. You did. Now I just hope I can share this story and hopefully somebody else will be like, oh my God, I went through the same thing. I better like yeah. reevaluate my situation. Yeah, definitely. I just hope I can help somebody else. Well, because it's just one of those things we don't, like people don't want to talk about. And, you know, I get it. Like, um, I didn't talk about my stories for a while. Like, it was a long time. For a while. Like, I I didn't want to go through that trauma or whatever. But kind of letting it go feels good. It makes you realize how strong you are now. And then sharing my story makes other people know they're not alone. And gives them, even if it's not in person, support. Hope. Well, it's. And it's support. support that they didn't, yeah. I mean, like I said, in these situations, abusers have complete control. They have gotten rid of your support system. Mm-hmm. So even if it's like just a glimmer of support, it could make a difference. So it's nice to have that support. Yeah. People really need to have support. Yeah. Cause it's hard. And then, I mean, the people that know you're in it or they kind of get that, um, like caregiver fatigue. And, like, I get it because I, I was hit with it a few weeks ago. Like, I was kind of just falling apart because I put all this effort in to get my friend out. And then she changed her mind. And, you know, that, that's her. Yeah. yeah. And that's her decision. And I was like, you know, I love you and I support you. And, you know, when you're ready, I'll be I'm here. showing up. I will get all your shit. <laughs> and so, um, but I just wanted to thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. I love you and your kiddo a lot Mm -hmm. and so i'm excited she's going to be on here a couple more times i think we've got a lot that i think we can bring to the table and so um guys well thank you (laughs) thank you so uh like subscribe um i'm guys i'm not techie at all i'm doing the best i can i know we're available on spotify and anchor um episodes going up on youtube um and hopefully Apple Music if I ever get done fighting them. So, like I said, if you want to follow us on social media, it um, all of our handles are N-W-A-G-T-T-A-I podcast. And then, um, or you can send an email to our Outlook. I'm going to have our website up. So, all right, guys. Talk to you soon. Bye.